seen somebody make a mistake on the field? Have you ever watched somebody just kind of blow it, right? Well, um, have, has anyone in here heard of Jim Marshall? Anyone know who Jim Marshall is? All right, well, uh, I've got a, a one-minute video I'd like you to watch about Jim Marshall, who was a Vikings defensive lineman quite a few years ago. Let's check it out. Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty bad in the NFL, right? I mean, to go to make that kind of a, a mistake is a pretty, pretty bad deal. And, and, and to the point, he's actually known as Wrong Way Marshall. That's his name. That's how he's known now. That's his legend in football history, probably inducted into the Hall of F Foolery and the Hall of Fame. I don't know if this should be a Hall of Foolery. We should make one of those. But... Um, Jim Marshall went the wrong way. He had, he went to the wrong goal. He had the wrong goal in his eyesight when he took off running. And keep that in mind as we dig into our content, content this morning. This morning's probably going to be a little bit more, you know, like a seminar and less like, you know, a sermon that I would normally preach. But this is the sermon that kind of got us started thinking we needed to cover some, some important material as a church, and one of those things that we need to cover is prayer. So I want to dig into prayer this morning, and we're just going to skim the surface. I, it seems like a lot, but I promise you this is just the very surface of what prayer is all about. But to get us started, I want to ask the question, why should I pray? Why, why should I pray? And if we don't know why we should pray, we will probably have all of the wrong motives and approach to prayer. So we need to ask this question and answer this question, why should I pray? And the first reason, if you want to write this down, the first reason you should pray is that I am a child of God and a co-heir with Christ. I am a child of God and a co-heir with Christ. Romans 8, 14 through 17 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I am a child of God. You are a child of God. Together we are God's children. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. I'm going to stop right there for just a second because this word Abba is important. If you, uh, back, if you go back to the Hebrew, it's literally like Baba, Baba or, or Papa, which is we, would, we have kind of defined it as daddy, but as you do the research, I think that's probably not a, pro a proper, proper understanding of it. The proper understanding is, is Abba, Abba. Some of the first things you would say as, as an infant, the first words that would come out of your mouth would be Abba or you know, Dada or Mama, right? So these are the very first words. So our approach to our Heavenly Father is that not just of a child, but of a toddler, of an infant who knows nothing but to cry out, Papa, Dada, Abba. Sounds, it sounds foolish, but we'll make sense of it here in a minute. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So why should we pray? I should pray, you and I should pray, because we are children of God and co-heirs with Christ. 
And then prayer becomes a significantly different thing if we are looking at ourselves as a child of God. It becomes a conversation with my father, a, a conversation with my father who just happens to be the king of the universe. So prayer is not just about my relationship with my father who has adopted me into his family, but it is also my ongoing communication with my relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is my, my uh, ongoing dialogue with him. And in fact, then when I'm out in the front lines, out in the battlefield, he's still right there accessible to me through prayer. So I should pray because I am a child of God and a co-heir with Christ. But prayer is also an interdimensional encounter with the designer. This is why we should pray. Prayer is an interdimensional encounter with the designer. What do I mean by that? Well, God made everything around us. God made all that we see, all that we experience, all that we hear, all that we smell, all that we breathe, all that we stand on, even our very being. God has made us all. So God made it all and breathed it all into existence. Psalm 33, verse 6 through 9 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Prayer is an interdimensional encounter with the designer. Everything that lives and moves has its being because of God. Acts chapter 17 Verse 24 through 28 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. The God who made the world and everything in it. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. God does not need anything from us. God cannot need or he wouldn't be God. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that, why did God do this? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And I love this little addition that Paul throws in there to the non-believers that he's speaking to. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We are his children. Prayer is an interdimensional encounter with the designer. The whole creation is built on the foundation of God's wisdom. That's Proverbs 3, 19. And prayer is the privilege for the believers to talk to the designer. Why is this such an important, why is this such a big deal? Because instead of trying to figure it all out, which is what we spend most of our lives trying to do, trying to figure out all of the intricacies of how things are supposed to work, instead of us trying to figure it all out on our own, we can go to the designer, we can go to the creator and sustainer of all things and align ourselves with his will. 
This is why we should pray, because there's a designer who understands how it all works and how it all functions and how it was all designed to work. So why not go to the designer to understand the design? That's why a couple of quick reasons. There's so much more to it. A couple of quick reasons why we should pray. Now I want to address the question, why can we pray? Why can we pray? This is important. We can pray because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us draw near to the throne of grace with confidence Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. So through Jesus' flesh that was literally torn open on the cross, through the sacrifice of his flesh, now we, through that flesh, this new and living way open for us through Jesus' sacrifice, now we can come into God's presence. This is why we can pray. This is why we're able to pray, because of what Jesus did for us. It says, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, day drawing near. See, it's all connected. Everything that we've been talking about for the last few weeks is all connected. Our, our desire to draw together more is connected to our prayer life and communication with God. So that's why we can pray. Now, what is prayer? Prayer, from my study, looking at it, is aligning my will with God's will. Prayer is aligning my will with God's will. This is important that we understand this. It is not aligning God's will with my will. It is not trying to get God to do what I want God to do for me. It is aligning my will with God's will. So prayer is not our request line to the Father. We can make requests, but that's not the point. And if you only ever ask for gifts from the king, you're doing something wrong. Prayer also is not about manipulating God to do what we want him to do. 
It's not trying to get God to walk with me, but as we so often say, it's me walking humbly with Him. And if we only beg God to move how we want Him to move and, and not listen to how He wants us to move, well, then we are doing something wrong. Prayer is not about tapping into the power of God for our own agendas. This may sound sacrilegious to say, but there is no power in prayer. It's a bold statement, I know. And if I'm wrong, feel free to call me out. But there is no power in prayer. Prayer without the king behind the prayer is just meaningless speech, meaningless talking. The power that is in prayer is not what we are doing in our act of praying, but the power is God Almighty who has the power. So prayer is not about tapping into the power of God for my own agenda. That's not prayer. The result of prayer, while it is often powerful, is because we are talking to the king and the king decides to move. Because we are talking to our father and the father decides to take action. This is the power that comes through prayer. But prayer is not about tapping into the power of God for our own agenda. In fact, if we find ourselves telling God to do things, demanding God to do things, then we're doing something wrong. Prayer is an ongoing communication with the Father, seeking His kingdom and His righteousness and trusting Him to provide. It's aligning my will with God's will. That's what prayer is. There's a lot more to it that we can explain. There's a lot of, a lot of different <coughs> teachings of prayer, but I'm just trying to lay the very basic foundation today. Well, so what is the problem with prayer then that, that we see in the world today, that we see in the church today? The number one problem that I see is that we treat God like a genie who exists to grant our wishes instead of like our Father. Most of our experience going to God is asking Him to give us stuff that we want instead of getting to know our Father. That's a problem. That, that's not how prayer is supposed to work. So we tend to tell God what He should do instead of listening to what He wants for us. We tell God, hey, we think you should do this. God, you should act in this way. You should do these things. You, you should move in this way. And that is not prayer. Prayer is not telling God to move or what to do. Prayer is aligning my will with God's will and trusting that in whatever moment I am in, God, if I am in communication and connection with Him, He is going to work through His Spirit in my life to move me in accordance with His will so that I flow where God wants me to go. So, those are a few questions that we have to address, and I know you probably forgot all of that stuff, but you can come back to your notes, and I'll post my notes online as well, as well as the recording. But just in a brief format, in the time that we have, I want to address the question, how do I pray? 
how do I pray? We should note this, that the, that the, the apostles, the disciples, could have asked Jesus to teach them to do anything. They saw Jesus preach the greatest sermons that had ever been preached, and they could have asked him, Lord, teach us to preach. They, they saw him do these mighty works and mighty miracles and mighty things, and their desire could have been, Jesus, teach us to do miracles. But what is the question that we get that the disciples asked? It said, Lord, teach us to pray. I think we've kind of dropped the ball when it comes to prayer. I think we've kind of missed out on some really important things when it comes to prayer. So if Jesus was going to teach you to pray, I think this is how he would do it, according to his own words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus is speaking. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't, don't be like them. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus speaks very directly. Jesus speaks very clearly. Really quick, I want to go back because there's some confusion about my statements about that there's no power in prayer. There is no, there is no power in the, in the aspects of, of the words that we say. That is not where power comes from. The power is not in, in what I pray. The power is in God working, right? God has the power. Sometimes He chooses to use the power and, and send power through me to do things that he wants to accomplish. Sometimes he gives me power to do things in my day-in, day-out life that I cannot do on my own strength. So there is power that comes through God as a result of prayer, but the power is not in the prayer itself. 
If there was power in prayer, then there would be power in spoken words of different prayers that the people pray without the right motives all the time. Hopefully that makes it a little more clear. If not, please talk to me after the service. This then is how we should pray. A lot of times when we, when we see this prayer, you know, our minds go to a thousand different places because we've, we've experienced it so many times in our lives. Some of us might go to the song that was sung at weddings, right? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, you know the one I'm talking about. Maybe you heard that. Maybe you haven't heard it. But um, that's where maybe our minds go. Or our minds go to this kind of uh, super spiritual, our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But what it looks like to me when you study it is, is Jesus is saying, this then is how you should pray. I don't see any exclamation points. I, I don't see any music notes. I don't, I don't see any embellishments. I just see here is just a way we should pray. And if we pray this way, someone asked, what does as it is in heaven mean? We'll get to that in just a second. Thanks for asking. That's a good question. If we pray in this way, then we know that we're praying how Jesus wanted his disciples to pray. Now, here's where my cheesy football-related acronyms are going to come into play. All right, so I've been working on this for quite some time and uh, just uh, kind of have rested on this. And just to try to get us in the ballpark, literally, um, this is what I would like you to know. Before I get the ball, B-A-L-L, I need the right goals. But be careful not to muff the punt. Before I get the ball, I need the right goals. You can write this in the top right-hand corner of your note sheet. Before I get the ball, B-A-L-L, I need the right goals, G-O-A-L-S, but be careful not to muff, M-U-F-F, the punt, the kickoff, whatever it is. Goals. Let's start with there. So before we go to the ball, we need the right goals. So we're going to start with goals. G stands for God, our Father. Jesus says, our Father. That is how we start our prayers, is our Father. First, it is an our, a we, and us approach that Jesus is saying, our Father in heaven, give us. We. So we start by understanding our position that we have a Father, a heavenly Father, which we're going to see in just a second. But, but He is our Father, and because He is our Father, we have the ability to come to Him in our relationship with Him. So we start with God, our Father. Then we go to, oh, outlook. Our Father in heaven. This is where we seek to see things from His perspective. Our outlook on life changes 
when we pray. Our outlook when we pray should change from a me-first mentality to a God's purposes and God's desires mentality. My outlook on the world is no longer what can I get from the world. My outlook on my relationship with God is no longer what can I get from God, but my outlook is what does God desire in all of these situations. Our Father, God our Father in heaven. So we want to see things from His perspective. Holy is your name. The A is for adore Him. Holy, hallowed be your name. Holy, is uh, reverent is your name. Worshipful, deserving of worship is your name. So, so when we come to God, we ought to come to Him with worship in our hearts, within our souls, within our minds, within our strengths, that, that we're coming with him, to Him to pray and worship Him. So we want to adore our Father. The L is for Loyalty. Whose kingdom are we going to be loyal to in this prayer? Are we going to be loyal to God's kingdom or to my kingdom? Are we going to be loyal to the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of darkness and try to get God to bless our own dark and evil desires? Are we going to go and be loyal to God's kingdom and say, Your kingdom come? Whose kingdom are we going to be loyal to? The S is for the same manner. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in the same manner on earth as it is done in heaven. God, do your will on earth. Do your will in my life. Do your will through my life in the same manner that your will is done in heaven. How is his will done in heaven? It is just done. His will is just done, and, and, the, and the number one thing that gets in the way of God's will being done on this earth is our own free will and rebellion against God. So, so we're saying, your will be done in the same manner that your will is done in heaven, not, not from my rebellious, selfish standpoint, but from my submissive, leaning into my relationship with my heavenly Father standpoint. Do your will in the same manner in my life and on this earth as it is done in heaven. This has to be our starting point in prayer. This is where we should begin in our prayers to God. We should start with the right goals. We, we need to start by, by going to our Father, our Heavenly Father, God our Father in heaven. This is how I almost start all of my prayers when I'm praying is, Heavenly Father. And then our purpose in the, in, in the beginning of prayer as we start praying is to align our will with His will so we can start to see things from His outlook. And we can worship Him as we, as we come into His presence, that, that, we can, that we can make sure that we are loyal to His kingdom and His throne and no other earthly throne, and that, that our desire as a result of our time in this prayer is that His will would be done in my life and on this earth in the same way that it is done in heaven. That's where we need to begin in our prayers. This is how we need to begin to approach God. Most of us, though, and myself included, I do this all the time, all the time. So, so don't feel any guilt or, or condemnation for what I'm saying. But so many of us just go to God with the request first, right? We go to the second half of the prayer. We say, God, God, I need this. I, I need you to do this for me. God, I want this. God, will you please give this 
to me? I really, really, really want this, God. Will you give it to me? But if our will is not aligned with his will, then often our desires are the wrong desires. If our will is not aligned with the will of the Father, then what we want in life will be what we want in life, not what God wants for us in our life. So we have to start with the right goals. We don't want to be going the wrong way. B is for bread. Give us today our daily bread. That's saying, God, we trust you to provide what we need for today, both physically and spiritually, and we're not going to worry about tomorrow. Give us today our daily bread. And as you'll see in other scriptures, especially coming up in the week ahead of us, where we're going to look at this in more detail, which is, by the way, why, why your activity and workplace is so important, is so that we can continue to break this out into our lives on a day-by-day basis. It's not just something we're wanting to add to your plate. This is really a desire we have that God would become a part of your in and out daily life as we walk together as a community and we're committed to the same things as a community. We're growing together as a community. This is, there's so much more to what we're talking about that I could possibly share on a Sunday morning. And we just want to build you up in your faith all week long and There's so much more to it than than what I can say there, but give us today our daily bread. And don't worry about tomorrow. Our Father knows what we need before we ask it. The A is for absolve. Absolve was the one word that kind of felt forced, even though it means forgive. That's what the word means, but I, I just think we probably don't really have a good understanding of the word absolve. But absolve is forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our sins. This is hard. Please, please bear with me here. This is a hard teaching. Forgive us our sins in the same manner that we forgive others who sin against us. Jesus says in the last few verses here in chapter 6 of this section, it says if if we don't forgive others, then our Heavenly Father isn't going to forgive us. How do we deal with that? How do we respond to that kind of a strong teaching? Well, I I can't really dig into it in a lot of detail. Again, there's going to be a lot more coming out on Workplace to help build this up this week especially on this, on this particular topic. But part of the reason we don't understand this is we don't realize what God has forgiven us of. Think about it. He's the king of the universe, and he is our father, or wants to be our father. He created us to come to him and to live in relationship with him. And, and we continually rebel against the king and the father. We are guilty of treason against the king. And most of us know how treason is typically punished. We're we're guilty of treason against the king, but we don't see our own sins in the same light that we see the sins of others against us. We we think, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. God just loves me, and, you know, he puts up with me. But, But we were 
We were guilty of treason against the king, and God has forgiven us. And if we don't understand how much we've been forgiven, then we won't understand how much we should forgive others. We have been forgiven of so much. The the best explanation, and forgive me for being crude, is that we and most of our lives are giving God the bird. We're, We're flipping him off and saying, screw you, God, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. I have the strength and my own power and my own ability to do what it is I think you want of me. And so most of our lives, especially before we come to Christ, and for a lot of us, a lot of us work through this after we're still coming to Christ on a regular basis with working out our salvation, we just continually say to God, I don't need you. I can do this by myself. And God, time and time and time, and time, 70 times 7 times, and more and more times, forgives us. We spit in His face, and, and He wraps His arms around us. If we don't understand that, we won't forgive others because we don't realize that the person who, who slapped me or, or who offended me, who, who called me a name, They deserve to be forgiven because of what I've been forgiven of. If you want to read more on that, you can go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35. Absolve, absolve. Do we understand what what has been absolved in our lives? The first L is for lead. This is a, a very strong picture that Jesus uses here, lead us. I'm not a Greek scholar, so I don't know all of it, but, but it looks like to me this lead us should be a standalone phrase, and then the rest of it comes after it. Lead us, how I would write it if, from my understanding, be lead us, comma, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The picture here, the, the idea for lead, the, the, it literally means carry us. And so I think one of the reasons we struggle with it is because we say, you know, we, we say carry us not into temptation or, or lead us not into temptation, and we wrestle with that because we think, oh, well, God, I thought the Bible says that God cannot tempt us. Well, He can't. That's what the Bible says. And so, so I think there's maybe a little bit clearer way of looking at it, that, that our desire is that we want God to and, and give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins, lead us, and deliver us. Those are the four statements here at the end. We want God to lead us. We want to, God to carry us. We want God to carry us like a father carries his little child. God, God, carry us. God, carry me today. Carry me as I walk with you throughout this day, as, as though as a child would reach up, a one-year-old or even a younger child reaches up and just puts their arms around daddy's neck. Carry me. Pick me up. Carry me. This should be our prayer. God, carry me today. Lead me today. Carry me where you want me to go like a father carries his child. The last L is liberate. 
lead us, liberate us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us the image that should come to mind if you're a good, if you're a good Bible student, if you had been around uh, the teaching of the Jews, the image that should come to mind when Jesus says, deliver us, should be, should be the image of, of Pharaoh being defeated by God and the Israelites being delivered, because that was a prayer that was coming out of, of, the, of the people of Israel, deliver us. And, and this is what, what God did for the Israelites. This should be the same prayer that we have when it comes to the evil one in our lives. So we want God to deliver us like he delivered the Israelites from Pharaoh. How did that end? How did that story end? Well, it ended in Pharaoh's complete destruction. Remember, Pharaoh was, was, was washed up in the water as the sea came back together. When God stopped splitting the sea apart, Pharaoh was completely destroyed. And so our desire is for God to deliver us, to liberate us from the evil one, set us free from the evil one in the same way like he defeated Pharaoh. And so when we pray, I think this would be a good, just a good outline to, to develop a habit of praying through goals and ball. God, our Father, outlook. God, give me your outlook in this life today, in this world today. I adore him. I, Father, I just, I adore you. I, I, I worship you. I, I love you because how could I not love you? You have so loved me. Adore him. Loyalty, and make sure that we're loyal to his kingdom, not our kingdom or the kingdom of the world. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done in the same manner, as same manner as it is in heaven. And then be, be bread. Father, give us what we need for today. Give us the bread that we need today, both physical and spiritual bread that we need today. Absolve us of our sins. Absolve Lead us, carry us, and liberate us. And as cheesy it may, as it may be, if it helps you just start praying through that, that acronym, then we're praying how God wanted us to pray. Now, before we finish up here, there's one more thing we need to cover. And that is don't muff the punt. Don't muff the kickoff. The M is for motives. What is your motive in praying? Is it seeking God's face or seeking his hand? Second Chronicles chapter 7:14 says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my handouts and all the freebies that I give and seek my face." humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Is our motive seeking God's face or his hand? If we have the wrong motives in prayer, that's, we're going to have a hard time in prayer. The you is for unrelenting. We need to pray at all times and in all situations. And in fact, when it feels like God is the farthest is when we should pray the hardest. When it, when it feels like God is the farthest is when we should pray 
the hardest. We need to pray at all times in all situations. This is one, an ongoing problem that we deal with in the church is that, that when God feels the farthest, then we, we withdraw from everything. We withdraw from prayer. We withdraw from community. We pull ourselves out of all of the things that God built and designed and put around us to keep us in relationship with Him, and we, in the end, make ourselves further and further away from God. And when we are going through the hardest aspects, the hardest moments, the hardest periods of our life is when we need to come to God the hardest. The Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. No matter how many steps you take away, it's only ever one step back. We need to be unrelenting in our prayer. We need to pray at all times in all situations. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Always, continually, all circumstances. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then if you've ever asked the question, what is God's will for my life? Here, I'm going to give you the answer that you've been looking for for decades. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Now you can go home and know how to live your life for the rest of your life. That's God's will for you today. Unrelenting in prayer. F is for foreknowledge. We, we need to trust that God knows what we need before we ask. We're not trying to coerce or convince Him to give us what we want. We are trusting Him to give us exactly what we need. We're not trying to convince or coerce Him to give us what we want. We're trusting Him to give us exactly what we need. Luke chapter 10, or 11, verse 11 through 13 says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God knows what we need before we ask. Foreknowledge. And the F is for focus. The last F. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 3 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We need to be entirely focused on God. Psalm 91, verse 14 says, Because he loves me, says the Lord. Because he loves me, says the Lord. Because he loves me, because she loves me, because they love me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. Does this sound familiar? It should sound a lot like the Lord's Prayer. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation because he loves me. Our focus is on God, loving God, seeking Him with all our heart. What does this have to do with the apostles' teaching, with fellowship, with breaking of bread? Well, they were continually devoted to prayer. 
not just in their personal life, which is a mistake that we've made, is that most of what we've extrapolated out of the New Testament is for our own personal walk with God. And yes, we need to personally walk with God, but so much of what we have missed is our communal walk with God and the community and the body of Christ. And so we are starting to take steps towards being continually devoted to prayer. Continually devoted to prayer. That means, that means we need to pray more together. That means we need to pray for one another more. And, and, and we need to be in our fellowship. And when we're breaking bread together, that, that we need to pray in those times and pray for one another. And that, that we need to allow the apostles' teaching and God's Word to inform our prayers so that we're praying how God wants us to pray. It's a very, very important part of it. One last question to finish us up here. I want to ask, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? I think maybe the reason some of us don't pray, maybe especially for men, we don't pray because we think of prayer as something we do when you're weak. And, the, and the, the, the biblical theological answer to that question is so immense, I cannot do it justice in two minutes. But we tend to think of prayer as something that you do when you're weak. The question we should be asking is, were we ever strong? None of us were ever strong enough to do what God wanted us to do on our own. So, so we are always continually weak. And the Bible teaches that, that His strength is made perfect in weakness. So, so, yeah, we are weak and we should come to Him because He is our strength. We are not our own strength. We do not have the strength to live the life we've been called to live on our own. The only way to live that out is if it's His strength in us. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. And where we get off track is when we think, I'm strong enough to do this on my own. And let me tell you, you just aren't going to be able to. Don't see prayer as something that is for the weak. No, wait. Do see prayer as something that is for the weak because we're all weak. We're all weak, and it is His strength that makes us strong. We're not strong enough on our own. In fact, if you were, Jesus would have not needed to come. There would have been no need for a Savior if we could be strong enough on our own. We are weak, and the Bible says, when I am weak, then he is strong. His strength is made perfect in weakness. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Strength, I think we're going to sing in a little bit, strength will rise as we wait on the Lord. He will cause us to mount up with wings like eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not faint when we are flying by His strength. His strength is made perfect in weakness. Don't try to be all macho with God. Come to God as, as that one-year-old dad-dad would come, just dad-dad. Papa, Abba, I need you. 
I need you. I, I, I can't do this on my own. I, I can't even walk on my own strength. I, I need you. I need you. Last picture to close us up. I was looking for, for, a, uh, for a picture of our kids, and I couldn't find it, and that's because I waited till the last minute to look for it, so my procrastination is failing me this morning. I apologize for that, but if you have kids and you've ever done this, you've, has anyone ever taken your kids to see Santa Claus? Anyone ever done that? Yeah, we did that, uh, and I was looking for the picture of it, but it looked kind of a lot like this picture. And you have to kind of ignore the creepy eyes from Santa behind the beard, so don't pay attention to that and look at the kids in the lap, you know, just kind of screaming in terror. It's okay, kids. Some, you'll be brainwashed and believe that Santa is a good thing here in just a few short years. But, but what, do you, what do we do? What, I mean, what is the, whole, the number one purpose for going to Santa and sitting on his lap? Asking, this is what I want for Christmas, right? I want a Red Ryder BB gun, right? I want, you know, so we go to Santa's lab and we say, I want this for, I want to, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever popular video game is out right now. What is a popular video game? Good, I'm just going to take that as no one does video games in our church, and I'm going to feel good about myself that, that, that we've, we've eradicated that. But, um, you know, God, God, I want that new car, or, you know, I, God, I want that new job, or I want that new house, or I want, I want God, will you, will you give me? We treat, we treat God like, like Santa sitting on his lap asking for Christmas presents. It's kind of part right in that we should be coming to God and sitting in his lap, but this next picture maybe will help. Go ahead and laugh at the way I look. Get it out of your system. That's me, yes, that's me, um, without a beard. thought I'd poke a little fun at myself. And that's Henry when he was younger. And we have pictures, I think, of all the kids at some point or another riding on my lap while I'm mowing. And, and Henry is just thrilled to be there. You see, what I, you're just, he's just happy to be there. And, and you know, Maybe as they get older, once, once he gets older, you know, he comes and sits on my lap while he's, while he's riding the mower, and, and the questions start to change. Say, Dad, can I drive? Can I try it, Dad? Can I, can I do it now? And, and no, son, you're, 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 your feet can't quite reach the pedals yet. You're not quite big enough, so, uh, so we just got to wait. But, but you can sit here with me while I mow. You can ride along with me while, while I mow. You, know, you, can, you, you can ride here with me while, while... See, prayer is about aligning my will with God's will. And so, so what we need to get in the habit of doing is, yes, sitting in God's lap, but then joining Him in His work instead of trying to get Him to join us in ours. It is, okay, God, I, I want to be with you, and I want to be, be about what you're about. I want to be doing what you want me to do. And so, so, God, I'm just here to sit in your lap. Just mow. Just go. Go where you want me to go, and I'll just go with you. I will, I will ride with you. I will walk with you. Just, just carry me. 
Carry me where you want me to go. Lead me where you want me to go, and I will follow. Take me where you want me to go, and I will walk with you. This is, this is the point of prayer. It is aligning our will with his will and coming to him as Abba, Father, Papa, Dada, Abba, I need you. Carry me. And we just go where he wants us to go. As the uh, worship team comes, I just invite you to stand. I want to give you the freedom. Some of you may want to take a different posture. Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe, maybe you want to sit down in a chair like you're sitting in your father's lap. I just ask, if you will, though, bow your head, close your eyes. And I just want to lead us through these sections of the Lord's Prayer and ask that you pray them in your heart. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us, carry us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's a good, good father. He wants the best for his children. And sometimes what he wants for us is in direct conflict with what we want for ourselves. Father, I pray that you would teach us to pray. Teach us to pray like you wanted us to pray. Teach us to pray in a way that, that we are seeking your desires, that we are seeking your heart above all things. Forgive us, Father, if we've made prayer about anything else other than what you wanted it to be, but just, Father, now help us as your body, your church family, your family of Christ here at this church to to just be continually devoted to prayer, to be continually devoted to seeking your will, to seeking your kingdom, to seeking your righteousness first and of utmost importance.
and just trusting that all the other things are going to be taken care of, that, that you're a good father and you're going to give us what we need when we need it because you're a good father. You're not going to give us a snake when we ask for a fish. You are a good father. Help us, Father, too encourage one another, spur one another on to, to, to lift up one another, not only in prayers of isolation, but in prayers of community, that we would find ourselves together praying for one another and praying that our will as a body, as a church, would be continually lined up with your will for us as your church. And that as we do this, as we reflect more accurately the image of Christ in our lives, as we seek His will and, and, and you make us more and more like Him day in and day out, Father, I pray for your glory, for your name's sake. Let those who are living by the lies of this world, those who are drawn to their own motives and to their own ideas of what God is, see us loving one another. See us continually devoted to the apostles' teaching. See us continually devoted, radically devoted to fellowship. See us radically devoted to breaking bread together, radically devoted to prayer, and let them see our active, interactive, real, and present relationship with the God of the universe, and that they would be drawn to you, their Father, and that they would find themselves restored into what you've designed them with and mine in the first place. For your glory, for your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name.